Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all your best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, 50%. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all these amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Chris Cullen, who does not join me right now, but he does join me on this episode. This is a very special episode where we talk to you. That's right, the citizens of Perfectville. Sam and Chris got on Twitter recently, uh, recorded a couple of Twitter spaces, which is a new feature there on Twitter where we can actually interact with you, yes, you, and all the other citizens of Perfectville talk about Anything you want to talk about in this particular episode, it was the first Twitter space that we did. Uh, we spent about an hour talking about the coaching search for the Miami Dolphins. That is still going on. We're able to grab that file and turn it into a very special podcast episode right now. So let's just get into it. It's going to sound a little different than you're normally used to from uh, old Sam and Chris, but I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, join us on one of our next Twitter spaces, and uh, we can get you not only on the Twitter space, but ultimately on the show. Check it out. But welcome to the Dolphins head coach search party spaces. I don't even know what the hell this is. We're figuring it out here as we go. Uh, and we're actually not going to be spending a whole lot of time with me talking and Chris talking. Of course, we're going to do a little bit of that because we're entertaining and we're very good looking. But uh, we really want to hear from all the listeners, the citizens of Perfectville, the Dolphins from all over the world here in the Twitterverse. And uh, really, we're talking about everything from Brian Flores. Was it the right idea, the wrong idea to fire the guy? Um, who the head coaches are? I think we have six candidates officially for the Miami Dolphins and just some of the player reactions as well. So uh, we'll just go ahead and get started here. Now, oh, by the way, uh, we are going to be giving away for the best take, the best opinion, the best shit talk, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Patch Vibes is hooking us up with an exclusive deal for whoever the winner is at the end of this space. And uh, I think I'll throw in maybe an Aronde Baxton sip sack koozie as well. So we got ourselves uh, just some fun stuff here going on here. I think Chris has just popped on. So I'm going to go ahead and invite him in uh, so he can join us here. So when Chris jumps in, we'll get this thing started officially. Uh, and also, if you guys haven't listened, we did drop a new Welcome to Perfect Will episode a couple of days ago. Chris, are you there? I don't know that Chris is there. If he's not there, then. Uh, I'll just keep on talking here, but uh, let's just take a look at what happened here. Brian Flores gets fired, not necessarily because he's a bad coach, uh, but it turns out he's maybe a bad human being, at least in the eyes of Stephen Ross, Chris Greer, and the people that matter. Uh, the defensive guys seem to like the guy quite a bit. The offensive guys really don't seem uh, to give a shit too much um, about him leaving. In fact, in some cases, Mike Kosicki seems to be excited about it. Tua clearly had issues with Brian Flores. We're not here to debate whether or not um, Coach Flores deserved to get fired because we're not the ones who actually made that decision. I will tell you, I think it was the right time for Brian Flores to be fired, just like it was the right time for Ryan Tannehill to move on from the Miami Dolphins. Coach Flores is going to be fine. He's going to find a job somewhere else. He's probably going to be successful. Uh, the problem is, uh, I don't think he's going to be successful with the Miami Dolphins. I wouldn't say it was a toxic relationship quite yet, but it was getting there. And once the culture turns sour, you're not going to win too many games after that. So it was time for him to move on. It's time for us uh, to move on and figure out who these other coaches are. Chris, are you there? Hey, guys. Hey, hey, Chris. How you doing? So I was just letting everybody know, um, you know, what we're doing here. We're the best take, the best shit talk, whatever we got going on. Uh, they're going to win some prizes here from not only the Welcome to Perfect gang, but from 
patch vibes as well. So um, I was just going to get into, Chris, the different uh, head coaching candidates we have. They're very interesting. We've got three offensive guys, three defensive guys, uh, three guys that have experience here with the Miami Dolphins and Stephen Ross, three guys that don't, three guys that were previously head coaches, three guys that have never been head coaches. Pretty diverse group. It's kind of a cross-section of the NFL right now that the Miami Dolphins is looking at. And uh, first thing I want to bring up, and I want to bring somebody on to talk about it, is people are saying the Miami Dolphins don't have a plan. They absolutely have a plan. Their plan was to fire Brian Flores and find somebody who they think is better suited to coach this team with the talent that they have now and the talent they will be adding. Uh, what do you, What is your take of this? I mean, Brian Dayball, Mike McDaniel, Leslie Frazier, Dan Quinn, Vance Joseph, Kellen Moore. These are the six that we are attached to, as far as I know. Three offensive guys, three defensive guys, guys with head coaching experience, guys with minimal coordinator experience, and everything in between. Age, everything is uh, across the spectrum here. What's your thought on the uh, talent pool the Miami Dolphins are looking at right now? Well, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. I forgot who it was. It might be somebody on here right now. But um, if something like goes right for us, and we even after losing to the Titans, um, and we make the playoffs, does he still get fired? And, and honestly, if so – when, if not, when was this decision made? Like, was the it made decision, after we lose to the Titans? No, yeah, yes. I think that's when the decision, the, the final nail in the coffin was what everything that went down against the Tennessee Titans. I mean, clearly they didn't make the decision after the Patriots game because we beat the Patriots, swept them for the first time in God knows how long, had back-to-back winning records for the first time in 20 years. I mean, it wasn't made after the Patriots game. It wasn't a, well, we'll decide after this. It was clearly made, in my opinion, after the Tennessee game. Uh, we know now that Brian Flores and, and Tua Tungabailoa got into it at halftime. We know that a lot of the offensive guys really just don't like him and didn't like him. And I really think once we were officially eliminated from the playoff picture, Chris, I think that's when the decision came down. Because you don't fire a guy who beats the Patriots you know, and sweeps them. Uh, you, don't, you don't fire that guy unless you've already made that decision. I think that's why it was such a shock to everybody when it happened, right? It's like um, coming off a big win, uh, picking off Mac Jones and – the disciple beating the master yet again. And then the news breaks on black Monday. Oh yeah. We're firing Brian Flores. So yeah. Uh, it's gotta be one of those things where uh, if, if he got the opportunity to go to the playoffs, go deep into the playoffs, they can readjust their thinking. But when that happened and you're automatically, you're eliminated, especially after a bad performance with a prior quarterback in Ryan Tannehill, uh, just absolutely outplaying to a, you're like, it's time. And with the piss poor locker room, it's time, time for him to go. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like we talked about, I think it was the right time. I've had a few days of sleep on this. Everything that we know now, everything that's coming out, uh, it wasn't a toxic environment yet. But I do think Stephen Ross looked at this and said, this is going to become toxic. These two can't work together. I'm making a decision. And, you know, look, gravity is still a thing. Shit rolls downhill. It's easier to get rid of Brian Flores than it is Chris Greer, Tua Tungabailoa, Mike Gesicki, and everybody else uh, on this team. So now taking a look at this, the first thing I want to bring up, uh, and, and again, if you guys want to chime in here, it's not about Chris and I, it's about you guys. Just uh, raise a little hand, do whatever it is you want to do. I want to talk to you weirdos instead of just yeah, doing anything. We actually want to hear you guys, not just uh, you hear us here. And like I said, we're giving away prizes for the people that have the best take here. But, you know, you'd mentioned on the show this week here, Chris, that uh, Brian Dayball is the guy that you think is going to be uh, the next head coach for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, if you look at all the gambling sites, including betonline.ag, thank you to our sponsors, uh, he <laughs> is the odds-on favorite to be the next head coach for the Miami Dolphins. Um you know, I, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on this. You kind of look at Brian Dayball and go, wow, what's he really ever done? Um, you know, but he has been a Super Bowl champion assistant coach with the Patriots, I think, five times over. He has been a college national champion assistant coach with Alabama. He was the 2020 NFL assistant coach of the year with the Buffalo Bills, and he is widely credited. He didn't give Josh Allen that rocket arm, but he does have, in my opinion, um, a lot of what's going on with Brian, Brian, or Brian, uh, with Josh Allen these days in terms of his development. He's credited with a lot of that development. I look at what they did. 2020, Chris, 31.3 points per game on average, the Buffalo Bills had. I mean, you look at them with him as the offensive coordinator, they have become the AFC East powerhouses. They're back to back AFC East champions. They're in the playoffs right now. I mean, uh, it looks like there's some people that want to chime in here. Um, well, he, I, he, I, he, he, Going to Dable, sorry to cut you off. Um, I read a story, one of our beat writers uh, posted it from, I think, last year, uh, and how much of a relationship he has with Josh Allen and Diggs. Diggs even didn't, to to the point Diggs didn't want to uh, 
say really too many good things about him because he was scared he was going to get poached, um, which just shows how you know much he he's built a relationship with those guys in that locker room. Something about Josh Allen's mom passing, and he like met him in the locker room and hugged him, and they cried like real close, just like people, um, not just football player and coach. And and that just seems like the polar opposite of what. Uh, it's coming out from Brian Flores, which would be a good pick. But in the same story, this dude's a Buffalo Bills fan. <laughs> like he, he grew up right outside the city. Like he's a Bills fan. He's coaching his, you know, it's, it, is this his dream job? No, he probably wants to be a head coach, but that's pretty damn close. Offensive coordinator and you're responsible for all this. So it, it, I, I hope he'd want to, you know, come here if, if all things happen. One thing I'm worried about, though, is the Bills could go on a run here and it might be a, a while before this thing's even announced. Just yeah, and, that, and that's something too. I mean, we might be in for a little bit of a long head coaching, you know, search here because it does seem like a lot of the people that we have requested are in the playoffs. We're going to wait for them to be eliminated or done until we actually talk to them in person. But uh, I'm going to bring on Dana underscore Boyce, Boyce Dolphins twenty four seven three sixty five. Hey, uh, you're live. Let us know what you want. Is Brian Dayball somebody else? Let us know what you want to talk about here on the Dolphins head coach search party. What's up, Dolphins? Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, absolutely. We hear you loud and clear. What's going on? Uh, not much. Uh, thanks for asking. Um, I'm good. Uh, as far as Brian Dable, um, you know, I wouldn't be um, unhappy with the with him picking up Dable. Um, like you said, he has a, a a long career in with NFL experience. Um, obviously, the first question that's going to come in with him is who's he going to bring with him? What what's his staff going to gonna look like is, is he capable being an offensive a lot of offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators have come in and you find out they're really good at, like Flores at X's and O's but yeah. they're not good at other aspects of the job um so he wouldn't be my first choice I wouldn't be mad at it um who's your first choice Dolphins who's your first choice my first choice would be Jim Caldwell um, I, I don't know if you saw it, uh, Armando Seller Guru. I don't know how to say his last name. Seller Yeah. He posted that Jim Caldwell has multiple interviews set up. He, and, but nobody knows who they're with. Um, obviously the people that are on playoff teams now have to be a priority to, um, get interviews first because there's going to be a time crunch in when they can be interviewed. They're not, if you don't have a job currently, you can interview any time. But if you're on a playoff team, I think uh, you have there's there's only a certain amount of time where you you can actually interview for the job. Um, back to Caldwell, the reason why I think he would be the best fit is because of his resume taking Detroit Lions um, to two playoff um, appearances, which you know that franchise is an absolute disaster. Um, he does have a Super Bowl uh, ring with uh, the, as the OC of Baltimore, and he also took, um, I believe, he took the um, the Colts to. Did, did he take them to the Super Bowl, or did no. he? He took them to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean, Caldwell's two and four in the playoffs. I mean, he's had a little bit of success, certainly more success than we've had for the Miami Dolphins of the last 20 years. He's 66 years old. I don't want to be an ageist, but is that a guy that's going to relate to today's players? I mean, it sounds like they couldn't handle Brian Flores. And now you're getting a guy who's even more old school, quite literally. Uh, but he was 62 and 50. I mean, he did take a garbage franchise like the Detroit Lions and make them viable. So, I mean, your point is a good one. Uh, I wouldn't hate Jim Caldwell getting an interview with the Miami Dolphins. Um, to me, Jim Caldwell seems like that guy that you bring in when the system is broken. And I don't know that the system is broken. I think we've got a lot of talent. I think we have really just one or two pieces away from being a viable playoff team, at least in my opinion, I'm biased. Uh, but I don't hate it. I, I, I like Jim Caldwell's name better than a couple other names that I'm seeing out there. So uh, I don't hate yeah. that there. Dolphins. We're going to go uh, one last thing. I'll let's say one last thing. we got to move on to some other callers. Well, it's me, Sam. Um, yeah, Caldwell reminds me of a David Culley type hire in Houston. Um, where no one hates it, no one loves it. It's just, like you said, bring them in to kind of cool down the locker room. Um, I don't know if it's going to sell tickets, if it's going to be exciting. Um, I would, in my opinion, and I like Caldwell a lot, um, we got to go with like a young, fresh, progressive guy that's getting with today's NFL, uh, especially after the authoritative Flores taking over, over for so long and getting him out. So 
uh, definitely, he's definitely very low on my on my list. I wouldn't like you said, I wouldn't hate it, but like very low on my list. Yeah, well, we're gonna move on to a guy who actually is no longer the reigning fantasy football champion in the okayest fantasy league ever. Uh, but I met this guy. I've actually watched games with this guy. I think we watched the longest game in NFL history together. Uh, Mr. JD Finns fan Jeremy Hagen just passed five thousand followers on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jeremy, you there. Yeah, I certainly am. Thanks for putting this together. Uh, excited to finally get you guys in a spaces. This is this how is did you get so many followers? Um, well, because he's a nice guy there, Chris. Unlike you and I, we're a couple of pricks. But yeah, we're able to put this together. This is Chris's idea, um, and we've we've always looking for new ways to interact with the listeners. You know, the, the podcast is doing very well. You guys are awesome to, to download and interact with us. But we're looking for more ways to do that. And Raced, I see you. We'll get you. And we're going to go to Connors after Jeremy. Because I think Connors is across the pond. We actually have a pretty big following on our podcast over in Europe. Um, but uh, I'm on I'm on COVID uh, restrictions here. I've been quarantined for two weeks, so I got time to do stuff like this right now. So we'll we'll try to do this more often. But uh, Wait, can COVID come out of our speakers or headphones from the phone, Sam? Or are you yeah, like everyone? Plug your ears. Don't get don't get your coat. I think I might have just six feet away. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Jeremy. So what's up, man? We're talking. We talked a little bit about Brian Dayball. Jim Caldwell, I think, was thrown out there as a name that we haven't officially gotten an interview request from, or at least that we know of yet. Uh, what's your thoughts on the talent pool here for the Miami Dolphins head coach search, and uh, who's your favorite? Well, I think with the Brian Dable pick, he certainly uh, aligns with uh, your guys' methodology as far as going out and getting that fat guy, right? So, fat uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, fat list. He makes it. Chow down on some pudding tits. Yeah, pudding tits. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, it's one of those you know thought processes if you can't beat them, join them type of thing. Not the exact words, but you know, go get someone that's breeding with great success over there in, in Buffalo and, you know, bring them aboard and see if obviously we can spread that success and uh, thinking that he's maybe a big part of that success that they've had on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I do like the, uh, you know, the, what is it, the best by, uh, you know, uh, tech support looking guy, Mike McDaniel. I think uh, having a, a, a smart young coach like that could be beneficial. And, you know, uh, it comes from a good coaching tree, I think, and uh, good uh, offensive methodology. Um, so I would say those are my two front runners that aren't head coaches or haven't had head coach experience. Um, and Doug Peterson is obviously something I'd be interested in too, being, a, you know, having had the head coaching experience uh, and a Super Bowl under his belt. So I think those are the top front runners that are, on uh you know bet online but then uh you know i think that's there's good reason for that right so i'm yeah, excited so, to like, see where this goes top two picks we already have uh nicknames for pudding tits for dable and uh geek squad for McDaniel. yeah i love it the best <laughs> buy so we're gonna go with pudding tits and geek squad so uh Perfect. hopefully those two top guys on the bet, uh, bet, betting sites uh get the job so we're already shooting a, a nickname which is great well let's take a look at this here mike mcdaniel has 14 years of coaching experience. He's 37 years old. I mean, clearly this guy shot out of his mom's vagina and had a playbook in his hand. <laughs> very long time. Um, here's the thing. He's got one year of being an offensive coordinator under his belt, and that's this past year. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the stats. Prior to that, he was the run game coordinator uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, and they've been pretty damn good as a running franchise there in San Francisco. Uh, but just taking a look at the stats here, this one year that we're talking about, I mean, that is the downfall, right? Is he inexperienced? He's 37. He's kind of a dork. You know, are people going to take him seriously? I don't know. I mean, it's, it, the proof is in the pudding, not necessarily the tits. But um, 6,387 total offensive yards for the San Francisco 49ers this year. 2,166 of those came on the ground. The Miami Dolphins, Chris and Jeremy, had, what, 5,219 total yards. 1,563 of those came on the ground. The San Francisco 49ers had 48 total offensive touchdowns, 22 rushing, 26 passing. The Miami Dolphins had 33, 12 rushing touchdowns, 21 passing. Our offense is abysmal. That's one of the main reasons Brian Flores got fired is that we just didn't have the offense. Mike McDaniel, in his one year, and he was intimately involved prior to that, of course, as the run game coordinator, uh, really did quite well. I mean, their time of possession is 31 minutes per game. I think their yards per play is something like 6.3 yards per play. Chris, the Miami Dolphins had 4.8. I mean, that's horrendous. So, uh, you know, the more I look at Mike McDaniel, the more I like him. 
But I'm worried, Chris, that this is one of those guys that it's like the next big trendy thing. We all want to be on the cutting edge. We want to know the band before they signed. We want to know, you know, spoilers for the Marvel Universe before the movie actually comes out. We always want to be ahead of the curve. And I feel like some of us are falling in love with Mike McDaniel because he's never been a coach before, at least at this level. The thing that worries me, too, about him is uh, he doesn't call the plays. Um, you know, he's like a Joe Philbin in that aspect when it comes to, yeah, he helps manage script and plays, get an idea. Uh, but, for, you know, in the fire, making game day decisions right then and there with the play sheet, he is not doing it. So that that worries me as someone now, can he come in and just get an OC? Yeah, he can do that. Most likely he'd probably want to do the Shanahan thing and get his own team and call the call the plays. I mean, I, I know for me specifically – as a defensive coordinator at the very, very egregious or very, you know, high end middle school level, um, I, I call. I have to call the plays. There's no way I can sit back and because if we're gonna fail, I want it to be me. If we're gonna be successful, I want it to be me. Um, you know, honestly, so I, I can see that. But he's just never done it before. Is that something that worries you? Yeah, it does. I mean, we, we've done that before. I mean, Adam Gase was this young genius who also kind of looked like he was on the same geek squad with Mike McDaniel and it didn't work out. Now, you know, if you look at any of the clips that are coming out, Mike McDaniel seems much more personable. He seems very open to joking with the press and uh, making friends with them, which is smart politically, by the way, something that Brian Flores and Adam Gase certainly didn't do. Um, so they're not necessarily the same personality type. Um and you look around the league and you're seeing a lot of people saying there isn't a better offensive mind in the game than Mike McDaniel. And the last time I heard that type of praise, it was Sean McVay. And Sean McVay has been very, very good for the Los Angeles Rams. So, you know, you, you partially want to take a chance on somebody like that, get him at 37 years old and have him be that next franchise head coach for the next 20, 30 years. But you're also taking, you know, a little bit of a risk that this young guy is going to be overwhelmed as the head coach, somebody who hasn't played, you know, called plays before he does come from a very good coaching tree. I mean, I think he pretty much lives in Mike Shanahan's basement still to this day, but uh, I just, I just don't know. I mean, that is the big question mark, but you know, it's probably gonna come down to the interview. It's probably gonna come down to what his game plan is. You know, he did say something here, Chris, and then we're going to go to Connors who is across the pond. He did say something. uh, And Jeremy, thank you, man. We're going to talk about Doug Peterson here in a little bit as well. Um, In one of his press conferences that I really loved, and it's something that is Shula-esque, and I don't don't mean to, you know, compare him to Don Shula, but he said you have to adjust your offensive game plan to the talent that's around you. And he gave a very specific example about Jimmy G being best in a shotgun formation because he can see the whole defense pre-snap, you know, understand where he needs to go with the ball in terms of his progression before the ball is ever snapped. He's not good with taking a five, seven foot uh, step drop, you know, having his back to the defense, turning around, processing everything quickly and making a decision. So if you look at what the Niners have done, they've done pretty much a heavy run and gun shotgun type offense because that's what Jimmy G is best at. Don Shula was a big power running defensive minded coach. He was with the Colts and early with the Dolphins. And then he got a guy named Dan Marino and went, well, he's pretty damn good at throwing the ball. Maybe I need to have an air raid type of offense when it comes to using Dan Marino. He adjusted with the times, which is why Don Shula is one of the greatest, if not the greatest head coach of all time, because he didn't force his system onto players. He forced the players, you know, basically he forced himself to work with the players. And I think that is a key. You have to be malleable, right? You have to be able to change with the times as the league changes around you. But uh, and that's what and that's what Bill Parcells and Tony Sperano uh, did, and they the opposite of that, and they ruined Chad Henne. You know, you watch Chad Henne's highlights in college; he's a fucking gunslinger. He's just throwing it deep to Braylon Edwards and uh, all these guys, and it's like you get up in the NFL, and all of a sudden, check down Henne, right? They, uh, I remember interview specifically. Uh, where Chad Henney said that he was told to throw the ball in the crowd before forcing it for an interception. No, like that's not his game. He goes out there and he slings it around the yard for 380. Yeah, there's two picks, but there's four insane touchdowns, and we win 45 to fucking 40. Like, but they changed his entire personality and who he is as a football player, and it didn't work. Like, he's still in the league. He has a Super Bowl ring. But it, I just challenge you, if you don't remember, look at his highlights in college. He looks nothing like that when he's in the NFL. Um, and, and you got to do that. You have to be moldable as a coach. You have to change. You have to switch. And the ones that are stubborn and don't uh, usually end up uh, not employed very long. Yeah, it's interesting, too. Ironically enough, Brian Dayball's only advice to Josh Allen was stop throwing the ball into the crowd, like try to hit your receivers. You know, because yes. Brian, Josh Allen was wildly inaccurate. But, uh, hey, uh, Connors, if you are on there, we want to hear from you across the pond. 
I know it's like what 6:30 p.m. over there, wherever the hell you are across the Atlantic Ocean there. Uh, but what's on your mind, man? Who uh, who on this list of players? I'm sorry, coaches. Uh, would you like to see leading the Miami Dolphins next season and beyond? Uh, hi there, everybody. Yeah, from across the pond, jolly old England. Um, I've got a big issue with uh, going down the virgin coach route again, I'm afraid. I've, I've heard lots of things. Dayball's a guru. But didn't we hear that with Gase and Philbin and Flores yeah. to a certain degree? I'm fed up with these little virgins coming in. To be honest, we've learned a lesson. Surely we've learned a lesson. Give me a Dan Quinn. Doug Peterson is my number one. I wouldn't lie to you. Coldwell, all been to the Super Bowl, all set up franchises. They've all been franchise head coaches. I don't understand why we'd go back to, uh, you know, a little guru, 35-year-old bloke who, I don't know. We've been there and done it, haven't we? Surely we, you can't keep repeating that, you know. I'm still hanging on for a Harbaugh dream, if I'm honest. I'd love to get Jim Harbaugh down mm-hmm. here. I think that'd be a great shout for us. Um, well, speaking of Harbaugh, did you guys see that the uh, betting odds dropped drastically for Harbaugh from like plus two, 1250 to like plus 800? So either a lot of people are laying money on that or Vegas knows something we don't. Yeah. Well, here's one. Jim Harbaugh came out here yesterday and essentially said that he wasn't sure if he was going to leave Ann Arbor or not. And that jives with everything that we've been seeing, that he's entertaining the idea of going back to the NFL. And really what he said was it's way, it's way more fun with the speculation this year than it was last year because the narrative has changed over the course of the season. Last year, the idea was he's going to leave Michigan because he can't beat Ohio State and he can't win the big game. So he's going to leave. This year, he's done that. And now it's like, oh, no, this is the next big guy. He's going to jump right back into the NFL. And plus, I think the head coaching vacancies this season are way more in line with Jim Harbaugh than they were last season. I mean, the Chicago Bears have a head coach um, opening. He used to play there. Miami Dolphins, Stephen Ross, University of Michigan ties, all of that stuff, that's there for him. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is 44-19-1 as an NFL head coach. He went to the NFC Championship game twice. He went to the Super Bowl once. Uh, he's got a 690 winning percentage. He's 6-3 and three in the playoffs. He's, what, 115-19 and 19 as a college head coach. This guy knows what he's doing. Granted, he's 58. He's a little bit older. Um, but to uh, Connor's point, and a very good one, uh, he's not a virgin. Uh, Mike McDaniel might be an actual virgin uh, to the point that you're talking about a little bit earlier. So, I mean, uh, the guy has gotten it done at the college level. He's gotten it done at the NFL level. He's gotten it done with a variety of different quarterbacks, with a variety of different talents. Andrew Luck, uh, Colin Kaepernick, Alex Smith. I mean, this guy knows what he's doing. He is ideal. I don't know if he's coming, but uh, he, he's definitely a guy out there. If the odds starting to drop and him starting to put feelers out that he's ready to come back, uh, I could see Stephen Ross reversing course and saying, "Never mind, just kidding. We're going to interview Jim Harbaugh." Well, if you're if you're a Michigan guy and you're going to lose Harbaugh anyway, you might as well lose him to your own fucking team. Like, there's no reason you let him go to Vegas, and now now you're without Harbaugh at your alma mater, and you're without him on your team. So uh, I, I agree with Connors too. Um, the, the Virgin line is fucking fantastic. And Bloke, God, I love calling yeah. guys Bloke. Um, I, I can have him talk anytime. And uh, but I love Peterson too. And um, it's just because he's both these guys, him and Harbaugh, both former quarterbacks, both uh, former players, obviously, and uh, successful coaches that have been to or won Super Bowls that can come in, know what to do, know who they're bringing in, know how it's supposed to look. Right. And that's the thing that kind of worries me about the virgin coaches, as he mentioned, Uh, they don't, you know, we talked about this with Gase, Sam, uh, on our show years ago, that the difference between a coordinator and head coach is unbelievable. The coordinator is literally his only job is to get the offense ready to beat the defense. So he's watching tape on the defense and that's it. When you're a head coach, you're worried about what they're wearing, when they're leaving, what they're eating, who's working out, what's their nutritional plan, what's that lineman's weight, uh, interviews with the press, the owners wondering you know, who, who we're going to draft. You're involved in that process, free agencies, trades, uh, unruly behavior in the locker room. I mean, the list goes on. The difference is unbelievable. Those two guys know how to handle that and what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Connor's, uh, I think, the leader in the clubhouse right now with that uh, virgin and bloke comment here for uh, for the Patch Vibes exclusive, as well as some additional fabulous, fabulous prizes. Um, oh, I'm going to be in, involved, too, for the Geek Squad nickname. I mean, yeah. these are fantastic. Any other That's nicknames, good. Race, we're, we're thinking, we're waiting on you, buddy. Well, speaking of Race, he's, uh, he's next. The current reigning, defending, undisputed champion of the okayest fantasy league ever. 
beating my ass in the finals. Wouldn't have even been to the playoffs if I didn't expand the playoffs like Roger Goodell did a couple of years ago. Raced, everyone wants to hear from you for some reason. Uh, the only person that doesn't want to hear from you is Chris and maybe you. But uh, you're on, man. What's uh, what's going on? Good to hear from you. And uh, who's the next coach for the Miami Dolphins? Hey, what's going on, boys? Thanks for saying. Thanks for giving me the time. Um, so I'm kind of interested in Dable. Um, you know, I like what he's put together. I kind of like the jive that he has. But <clears throat> Chris, you mentioned that he was a Bills fan growing up, and I'm just wondering if you guys are a little bit concerned. Um, about having a head coach that is finger-banging fans and jumping through tables after every touchdown. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Um, the finger-banging might be a concern and maybe a distraction. But um, if, if Brian Dayball is the next head coach for the Miami Dolphins and after every touchdown he throws himself through a table, we're going to have a lot of primetime games. We're going to have a lot of national TV coverage. So from the business standpoint for Stephen Ross, that might be a plus there, race. That's a great point. A big fat guy jumping through a table like a pro wrestler, you know, on the weekend. Um, I could get behind that. I could get behind our coach. I mean, talk about the fist pumping for Tony Sperano. Every time we get a pick six from Xavier and Howard, Brian Dable power bombs himself on the sidelines, Chris. I'm, I'm in for that. I'm a yes. Yeah, we go from Brian Flores charging the field to fight someone to uh, literally Jeff Hardy. Uh, putting himself through tables every week. That'd be fantastic. I mean, how great would it be, like, if we're driving and we're in the red zone and Tua's, you know, doing the RPO and he's running for a first down, and while that's happening, instead of running down the sidelines, because let's face it, Brian Dable's a fat guy, he's not running, he's climbing a ladder. And with every 10 yards that Tua's gaining on the ground, he's just climbing another rung. And then he gets to the top as soon as Tua crosses into the end zone and he just flings his big, fat whale body off of that ladder through a table that's been set on fire by his offensive coordinator and everything is caught on tape forever. I think I'm okay with that race. Yeah, I don't really uh, see how that could be a bad thing, especially if we are going for something a little bit more entertaining. Um, but being a little bit more serious, assuming he can actually put together an offense that does score touchdowns and gives him an opportunity to jump through tables and, you know, finger bang fans and all that. Um, I think he could do it. I, I like his approach to the game, and I think it'd be good for us. Yeah. No, I, uh, I I think, look, and Larry, we see you there. If you want to meet yourself, we'll get you right after the race comments here. Um, but uh, Brian Dayball has been coaching since 1997. He's 46 years old. Um, again, very much a lifer like Mike McDaniel. He's done it at the college level. He's done it at the pro level in terms of being an assistant. Um, you do have to ask maybe the other way. I mean, why has he only been an offensive coordinator or an assistant coach? for so long why has he not gotten a shot until now and i don't know if that's a fair criticism or not but uh you know the, the guy also on, on bill belichick's staff was a defensive coach so he's got a little bit of experience on the defensive side of the ball as well which is kind of nice you know do you want to have some continuity you want somebody who knows that the defense exists you don't want you know adam gates sitting on the sideline going what does defense even mean but you also don't want a guy who's such a specialist on one side or the other that uh, he ignores it completely and the fact that he has some experience as a defensive coach uh, on some level here on the pros, I, I think it's a bonus. And probably why he is the favorite right now to be the next head coach for the Miami Dolphins like this. All right. I don't know where Chris is. The race will go back to you. You're now the co-host in this space here. Uh, who else? Other like, than like Brian Dayball, if he's not the coach, who else do you want to see? Uh, I really want to like the guy from the 49ers, but I just I can't get over the feeling that I would just really want to pile drive him through one of those aforementioned tables or spill his books. Uh, you mentioned, uh, really quick, you mentioned Adam Gase for a second ago, and I wanted to tell you guys, I, uh, before we came on here, I started trying to research all of the former Dolphins head coaches' weight and see if I could create some kind of correlation between their weight and their winning percentage. And uh, apparently head coach weights aren't documented well. That's but one thing... Yeah, I know. Uh, it's really absurd in this age of information about everything. I can't find that. But I did find a website that supposedly listed Adam Gase's height and weight. And uh, I just tweeted you a screenshot. But according to digitalnetworth.com, Adam Gase is 7 feet 1 inches high and weighs 115 pounds. That's <laughs> so, 
That, so seems, that seems wildly accurate. Yeah, you know, that we should have the height and weight there. I mean, really, we should do BMI because, let's be honest, Jimmy Johnson wasn't a fat guy, but he was very rotund. And Don Shula, especially later in the years, uh, still a very effective coach, but uh, he started to have a little bit of spare, spare tire. So maybe BMI versus just height and weight would be the right way to do it. But uh, there you go. Seven foot one, 115 pounds, Adam Gase. Yeah, I didn't know Mike Glennon was our head, former head coach. <laughs> Uh, well, there you go, Race. Thank you, everybody. Uh, I actually thought Race might be Mike McDaniel. I thought maybe that was uh, – but apparently not. But uh, all right, Larry, uh, you've been waiting patiently here. Uh, Larry Lovelace, I think, is your last name there. Go ahead and take yourself off mute. Let us know who is the next head coach for the Miami Dolphins and why. <clears throat> hey, guys, can you hear me all right? Absolutely. So um... – Kind of just piggybacking on what a lot of others have said, mainly Connors. Um, really like Mike McDaniels. I think we would be taking a big chance with him, but it's a chance that could pay off. Um, seems very, very smart. Um, my question is, would he be able to put together a coaching staff? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the people looking at the Miami job probably thinking the same thing we are. Does he have enough experience? You know, he's smart, but can he build relationships? So because of that, um, basically, like most of you have been saying, I kind of really want Doug Peterson. A couple years removed from a Super Bowl. um, Honestly, don't know why he hasn't gotten more head coaching looks in these past few years. Um, Can put a staff together, connections with Miami. I mean, to me, it kind of just seems like a no-brainer. I want the new offensive mind. I want the new cutting-edge best thing, but – you know, after all of these virgins, as Connor was putting it, we need a guy that, you know, has been to the club a few times. We need a guy who can talk to the media, a guy who can talk to the players. And Doug Peterson is a perfect players coach. So to me, it's a no brainer. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Not only that, he um, he did it with multiple quarterbacks, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. he's kicking ass with Wentz. Wentz goes down, no, no big deal. You know, Foles comes in and he doesn't miss a beat. Um, you had a great point, uh, Larry, about um, coming in and kind of knowing how to do everything. One thing I wanted to touch on too, just when it comes to that, Sam, is uh, our locker room. We're ready. Like we're not that young team anymore. That's like. You know, we added some rookies to some veterans now. They got a ton of playing time this year. We got a veteran defense. Like, it's time. We don't have really time to get a virgin guy in here to, like, take his time. You know, one, two, three years down the road. Then all of a sudden Howard's older. You know, Baker's older. Agba's older. No, we need a guy to come in that could take this roster to the top, to the playoffs, win a playoff game or two immediately next season. And uh, Peterson and Harbaugh are definitely those guys I feel could do that. And we just don't have time to wait with our current roster. Agreed. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Harbaugh at all either. I feel like that would be a good hire. Yeah, and uh, a couple things here. Um, Larry did something that we call in the comedy club writing tags. So you're writing tags on Connor's uh, virgin line there, which usually means it, 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 it's, a, it's a good line there because we're, we're jumping on that. Um, mm-hmm. Doug Peterson, 42-37-1 as a head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, four and two in the playoffs, including a Super Bowl victory. Um, former quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. So we have some lineage there. In fact, I think I could be wrong here, Chris, or if somebody else knows. I think he was the quarterback, the starting quarterback, when Don Shula broke the all-time wins record. So he's got a little bit of Dolphins history, you know, under his belt here. Um, speaking under his belt, the, the man loves ice cream. You know, he's six foot three. He, he's going to be a big fat so if he comes down here and eats all that, you know, Shula Steakhouse, everything else. Fifty-three years old. I mean, he, he's not an old guy. He played in the league, not, I mean, in the 90s. He knows how to talk to this generation of player. Um, he also has a lot of experience with the RPO, which is what Tua Tungabarloa excels at. So when you take a look at all of those factors and you look at him being a player's coach, you look at him being successful in the league recently, and the fact that he, in theory, could take a look at what we currently have with Tua Tungabarloa and say, yeah, I can work with that. Um, a lot of people are saying Doug Peterson. I, I, I don't hate that either. I think he's on my short list of favorite candidates. My only problem here, Chris, is I'm not seeing Doug Peterson attached to the Miami Dolphins. I've seen him, I think, with the Minnesota Vikings, and he's willing to wait. Um, but I haven't seen him tied to the Miami Dolphins on any level yet. Well, that and um, that kind of goes in line with one of the earlier guys mentioned is that we're kind of rushing to get these guys that are in the playoffs um, because there's limitations of when and how we can – interview those guys, the free agents that are sitting at home, we can interview at any time. I mean, honestly, 
uh, I don't know the rules, but Greer kind of pretty much could have texted, um, you know, him already. Just like, hey, man, we're, we want to talk to you after the playoffs or something. They just broke on NFL Network uh, about an hour ago. Our, or <clears throat> Ian Rappaport tweeted that we rescheduled our uh, interview with Leslie Frazier from Sunday to next week. So, like, this isn't going to be a quick thing that's happening in the next couple of days. Um, so uh, Peterson definitely, hopefully, is on the table because all the things you mentioned, the RPO being one of them, and not to mention he outcoached and beat Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. So that's a pretty, pretty big fucking deal. Something that you can't say about Dan Quinn, who was up 28-3 to in the third quarter and somehow blew it. He was supposed to be a defensive guru. Uh, I don't know that Dan Quinn, he's another guy on the list here. I don't know that he's going to be the number one guy for just about anybody, but he does have experience. Ironically enough here, Chris, he's not only a former assistant coach for the Miami Dolphins, um, this guy is a defensive-minded coach, yet his offenses there in Atlanta were always top 10. His defenses actually would kind of let him down, which is a little bit of concern. I mean, granted, he had Matt, Matt you know, Matty Ice, Matt Ryan, former league MVP, and he's got some, you know, just a slew of wide receivers. Well, Shanahan over was calling the plays, too, who earned him a head coaching job, and he's doing pretty damn well uh, in Fort San Francisco, too. Yeah, exactly. That's where I was going is, you know, that offense, even though it was under Dan Quinn's watch, it wasn't necessarily Dan Quinn. But here's my point in that. Everyone keeps talking about the fact that Brian Flores couldn't put together a good staff. Everyone's talking about how if we get Mike McDaniel, we get Brian Dayball. One of the questions is, who are they going to bring with them? Who's going to be those offensive and defensive assistants? Dan Quinn knows how to put together a staff. So to your point about being a head coach, maybe he is the guy that can manage, you know, the day to day bullshit that goes with being a head coach. And he can go get himself a couple of specialists on the offense and defensive side of the ball that can actually do the X's and O's and draw up those plays and he can keep everybody together and be that glue, be that gel. Not quite sure. But, uh, I mean, Dan Quinn, uh, what, 51? He's actually he looks older than he is. 43-42 <laughs> overall record is, is a winning one. Um, you know, he's a former Miami assistant coach. He's obviously a defensive guru. He's in the playoffs right now uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Another guy here, Chris. Uh, and, 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 by the way, uh, good turned around their defense, man. Like he yeah. really did. That defense was terrible last year. Uh, it was their their black eye was their defense, and he came in, of course, with you know rookie named Micah Parsons. It's pretty fucking good. Uh, one thing we mentioned earlier while talking though, Sam, is he did what we were talking about, right? Micah Parsons uh, came in as a middle outside linebacker. Um, they had some injuries. He said, "Fuck it, move him to DN or outside linebacker in a three four. Let him rush the passer and took him away from coverage and things like that." He's able to be creative. And I like that with a coach. He's not high on my list, but I mean, I wouldn't like throw my hat across the room. Um, we just got to, what we, what we nicknamed him, a handlebar because of the, uh, the or, or Harley, call him Harley. He looks like a motorcycle guy. Harley Quinn. There you go. Dan Quinn. Um, hey, so- holy shit. That's why we've done this for six years. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you are listening to the Welcome to Perfectville head coach search party here for the Miami Dolphins. Um, let's just stay with Dallas here real quick here, Chris, because another name that's been attached to the Miami Dolphins, you know, we're giving Mike McDaniel shit for being 37, but Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, 33 years old. Um, my goodness, Chris. I mean, this is a guy that uh, my, would, would, I think, immediately be the youngest coach in the league. Um, yeah. If well, we were, I mean, he was great and super bad. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, we can make fun of him all we want, and we will. Michael Sarah. Yeah, we absolutely will. We'll uh, we'll make fun of him forever. But uh, he, he looks weird, too. He looks like – you know what he looks like? He looks like a, a, a former big fat guy, which I like, who lost a lot of weight, but his head is still the same size. You know, like he just didn't lose any of the weight in the head. He just lost it in the body and the torso and everything. He's a weird-looking guy. But I mean, um, we can make fun of him, Sam, because we're all fucking older than him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nerd, go get me coffee. I, I, he can, we can absolutely make fun of him. Um, but here's the thing. <laughs> we can make fun of him all we want, but we can't make fun of these numbers. Uh, Dallas Cowboys offered 6,919 yards, six yards per play, 55 touchdowns, Chris, 15 rushing, 40 passing, over 2,100 yards on the ground here in 2021. Um Weird-looking young guy, make fun of him all you want, but those numbers are way better than the Miami Dolphins' offense in 2021. And uh, I think he oh, can just scoreboard the shit out of us. Fucking if he loaded with talent. Yeah, but, I mean, look, he, he took that talent and he did something with it. You know what I mean? I mean, he had a good quarterback. He has good wide receivers. He's got a good running back. He's got a good offensive line. He's got a really good tight end and, and, and Schultz. And he created a game plan and, and executed it. I, I got no problem with that. 
one thing I'm worried about too is talking about like building a staff. Does he even know anybody? Like <laughs> he's 33. <laughs> like uh, who does he know? Like former players that are like playing in the XFL still. Like he, does he have enough uh, clout to get a, a co- coaching party surrounding him? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I saw him today. He was walking into my daughter's third grade class because I think he's actually um, a student um, in her class. I think they sit at the same table. So he knows her. And uh, she went undefeated with her soccer team this year. So uh, maybe he can get her as an assistant coach. And uh, she did pretty good with her predictions this year as well. I think she went uh, 12 and 4, if I'm not mistaken. We didn't even do the last game. Um, and then really, the last- well, thanks for joining the space. Kellen Moore's the new coach. Well, there you go. Well, I mean, you know, look at this. I mean, a a lot of people like Brian Dayball. A lot of people like Doug Peterson. I mean, I think we all agree that Jim Harbaugh would be number one on everyone's list. We're just not quite sure if he's actually going to make that leap or not. Uh, Jim Caldwell got some love. Um, You know, Leslie Frazier, to your point there, Chris, 62 years old, 21 and 32 as a head coach, um, you know, 0-1 in the playoffs. He, to me, Leslie Frazier is a guy that's going to be a defensive coordinator for the rest of his life. And he's going to be a good defensive coordinator. But I don't know that Leslie Frazier needs to be the head coach for the Miami Dolphins. The only way he's a head coach going forward, I think, is if somebody gets fired midseason and he comes in on an interim basis. Us rescheduling to next week tells you all you need to know about this process for the Miami Dolphins. They're not going to do this this week. They're going to take their time. They're going to try to get it right. The rumor is Stephen Ross wants somebody with head coaching experience, which – Leslie Frazier does fit that bill. He just wasn't very successful as a head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, And, you know, the other guy that we haven't talked about, I don't know that anybody's taking seriously, Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals, um, former Miami assistant coach, 11 and 21 as a head coach for the Denver Broncos, uh, 344 winning percentage. That's somehow worse than some of the coaches we've had over the years. Um, He's also 49 years old. I mean, you look at Vance Joseph, and I thought he was like maybe 38 himself. The guy's in fantastic shape. He looks great. Um, But uh, going on 50 years old himself, didn't didn't realize that. Uh, What do you think of Vance Joseph and Leslie Frazier? Are they they viable candidates, or are they just here to kind of fill out the coaching availability box and get some opinions from the defensive side of the ball? What do you think, Chris? Um, Yeah, I mean – I don't know if they're serious contenders. Let's be honest here. They're probably for the Rooney rule, um, you know, th- to, to bring them in. It's always good for them to get uh, in front of the GMs and the owners. Uh, Leslie Frazier couldn't be a more boring player yeah. to me. I would be just – I would literally be fall asleep, you know, if he took the mantle. Um, there's just I, – I, I don't see that. It has to be a, a slightly younger – he just looks – he looks dead, Sam. Like, I just – I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> Vance Joseph looks awesome. He's a badass. He was uh, terrible with us, right? Like, I like I remember, like, our, our defense, I think, broke the record for most yardage given up in a in a season or a franchise record, something like that, and, and just did terrible in, in Denver. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know, very, very low on my list, both those guys. Uh, he looks dead is uh, maybe the highlight of this space here today when it comes to Leslie Frazier. And uh, we're, we're getting close to wrapping up. We went through the candidates here, including some of the ones that we see that aren't on the list officially here. Anybody else want to say anything? Chris and I have been talking here for just a little bit. we got a lot of listeners here. Anybody want to say anything? Thanks to everybody who has already uh, chimed in. We love hearing from all of you guys there and gals. But uh, anybody else, we got a couple minutes here before we sign off and move on with our day. Um, for me, you know, I, I'm a little bit higher on Mike McDaniel than I think I was a couple of days ago when the when the news first broke. Uh, Brian Dayball still seems like the leader in the clubhouse, uh, but I just can't shake this feeling, Chris, that at some point Jim Harbaugh is going to be the next head coach for the Miami Dolphins. But let's hear from Andrew Silvera. Andrew, uh, take it away, my man. It looks like you are a Mike McDaniel fan. Yeah, as you could tell by my Twitter header. Um Obviously, Harbaugh would be the number one choice, though, ideally. You know, he took a roster that we uh, in San Francisco that Mike Singletary thought was mediocre and turned it into an instant contender. But a more realistic scenario, um, you know, because there's still a lot to wait and see with Harbaugh. Uh, I'm really high on the Mike McDaniel train for a variety of reasons. Um, I do watch a lot of San Francisco 49er football. I'm here on the West Coast. It's all that's ever on over here. Yeah, understood. I'm in Northern California myself. I see way too much red. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, and a lot of people like to say his lack of experience, his first year OC. Mike McDaniel's been Kyle Shanahan's butt buddy. Uh, He's kind Mm -hmm. of stuck in the carry on bag wherever Kyle goes. Mike goes like a little puppy dog. But 
in that process, he's seen a variety of offenses. You know, if you look at the heavy run scheme in San Francisco, or even when they were on staff in Atlanta, you know, Atlanta was first in passing offense, Matt Ryan's MVP year, but 31st in run and rushing offense. And then he's seen what he did with Washington with RG3. So he's seen such a wide variety of offenses, but more importantly, um, he's more well known for his running scheme. And that scheme, it's just so much creativity on the offensive line. Now, I do believe we're going to have to make an upgrade or two or three or four or five on that offensive line to match such a scheme. But I feel like when I watch the Dolphins today, we have five guys lined up and it's just, okay, put your hands on the guy in front of you. And then as soon as the running back gets touched, they fall. Um, This scheme, regardless of who's under center next season, this scheme, if we run a similar scheme to the 49ers, is almost foolproof in a way. Uh, because this is the same scheme that took a middle-of-the-road quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo to the Super Bowl. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying if we get Mike McDaniel, you know, we're going to the Super Bowl next year. you got to be realistic. But, um, you know, despite the fact that he might be a virgin, I mean, he could get the team some NFTs, some Bitcoin. You know, there's a lot of things like that. But in all seriousness, though, I feel like a complete revamp of the offensive scheme uh, to a scheme similar to the 49ers and ideally keeping a guy like Josh Boyer or a Gerald Alexander yeah. trying to keep the defensive staff together with a complete offensive makeover. I absolutely believe that that scheme can work in Miami because if you think the last two times I'd say we had a dominant rushing attack was 2016 and 2008. And we know what happened those two years. So I'm very high on this Mike McDaniel train and it's going to kill me rooting for the Cowboys this Sunday because who the hell likes the Cowboys, but it's part of the agenda. It's part of the mission. Got to do what we got to do. Yeah. And you know what, you know, what's intriguing about Mike McDaniel and uh, you know, thank you for that, Andrew, is that you look at how he deployed his talent in the run game. Debo Samuel is a wide receiver and he was probably their best running back. And, and we don't have a Debo Samuel currently on the Miami Dolphins, but I do, I am intrigued with the idea of maybe using somebody like Jalen Waddle, who can run with the ball in his hands and can make people move and miss. Um, I wonder if somebody like Mike McDaniel can take a look at Jalen Waddle and go, oh, I could use him creatively in the run game. And maybe that's how we deploy our run game next year, um, you know, in lieu of not getting an actual running back that's worth a damn. I mean, I know everyone likes Duke Johnson. It's a good story. Everyone likes Philip Lindsay. We gushed over him. And then, of course, he went on COVID for like four weeks, Chris. But those cannot be your running backs for the Miami Dolphins in 2022 and and be successful. I just I, I can't see that working for the Miami Dolphins. So I do like that aspect, Andrew, of Mike McDaniel bringing all those different offenses that he's been exposed to um, and, and figuring out what works best for him and this offense and maybe using somebody like Jalen Waddle, as I said, as a running back or in the running game, uh, much more so than he has been his rookie season. Yeah, he's probably frothing at the mouth looking at Jalen Waddle and uh, what he can do with him. Uh, he's the type of coach, like uh, to Andrew's point, that is innovative, that is smart, that looks at the – I hate the word analytics, but he looks at the analytics of the game – uh, that's getting tossed around on Twitter, uh, that that press conference where he said, that's not a dumb question, and kind of told him how he does the, the pitch motion, even though it's a run up the middle, because as a linebacker myself that played, uh, we have reads. And depending on the type of defense you're running, you're, you're reading the quarterback or the guards. And um, if you're reading the quarterback and he goes and pitches, you take that one step to the outside thinking it's a sweep, that tackle or tight end's already got you beat on the inside to seal you off on the inside run. So he thinks about those things, which is really smart. It's uh, looking at the defense instead of saying, what can I do to beat you? It's what are you doing that I can take advantage of? And I love that kind of thing in a, in a coach. So yeah, uh, I'm high on McDaniel as well. Um, just nervous. He's a virgin uh, like, uh, you know, obviously Connor's coin, but um, it, it, it's, it's interesting, Sam, like it's an interesting year to, to need a head coach. There's a huge net of just different kind of coaches. And Greer really has his pick as long as they want to come here, obviously. But he has his pick. Um, and the decision they make is going to make or break us for the next 10 years. Well, and and that's one of the things, and maybe the last thing I'm going to talk about here, and if anybody wants to jump in, you're more than welcome to. But, you know, the Miami Dolphins made the move again away from Brian Flores. And I started this space here today, Chris, by saying that it was the right time to do it. You know, it wasn't quite a toxic work environment, I don't think. But I think Stephen Ross is smart enough to know in business when things are going south. And at some point, it becomes such a slippery slope that you have to look at this as the top dog and say, I cannot salvage this. 
And now I would rather get rid of him now and let him go be successful somewhere else where he will fit into a culture or become the culture. And I can make my change here and be successful. And if you look at the talent pool that's out there, Mike McDaniel, Brian Dayball, Jim Harbaugh possibly being available, Doug Peterson, Jim Caldwell, all these guys that we talked about, um, maybe they're a better fit for the Miami Dolphins. And Brian Flores is a better fit in Chicago or wherever it is he ends up. And there's this prevailing wisdom out there, Chris, that I'm seeing that nobody wants to come to Miami. And I don't understand why. I mean, you look at it, they're, they're nine and eight. They're a winning franchise. They have a great defense. That's a playoff ready defense. They have high draft picks on the, on the, on the offensive side of the ball that have underperformed. Um, but if you get somebody in here who looks at these pieces and go, man, there's a lot of talent here. I don't know why we're not utilizing this way or that way. All of a sudden you've got a playoff team. And you've got a team that's got 75 million in cap space right now. You've got a slew of draft picks over the next couple of years. This is actually a really good place to work, especially when you consider a GM who bends over backwards by all accounts to accommodate the head coach. I mean, Chris Greer is not going to go get a head coach that's going to fail. He's going to get a head coach that he wants to support because if the next guy fails, I'm pretty sure Chris Greer is going to be out too. So you have a motivated GM to make this work with whoever's going to be the head coach. You have a head coach who's probably going to get just about everything they want in terms of player personnel moves. I don't know why somebody wouldn't come here. Plus a motivated owner who I think he should sell the team, but has done a lot of things to try to be successful. They just haven't worked. I think he's made some bad calls, Stephen Ross, but overall he wants to, to win. And uh, I think it's a great environment for a head coach to come to the Miami Dolphins. Well, not to mention it's fucking South Florida and uh, there's no state income taxes. And um, you know, you got a locker room that's just begging for a guy to come in to, um, be a player's coach. So if you are a player's coach, like a Doug Peterson, um, you come in and these guys are going to be excited to work with you. Uh, one thing too, I wanted to just touch on with the Mike McDaniel thing. Um, and I, and I tweeted it, but I want to touch on it. You know, and we, and we did in our last episode, but if he comes in and he's a teacher, like, I, I don't think the days are here anymore where you need to be that rah-rah, grab you by the face mask, pump you up with a big motivational speech before a game type uh, coach you can be somebody that can sit you down we can talk about what you did right and wrong and uh and teach you and be and be a leader and let the professional football players be the guys that play on the field um honestly if you need to get picked up or boosted by a coach uh before a game you know you're being paid to play then you're in the wrong sport like these are professional athletes they know how to do it they know how to motivate themselves and um, if we can get a guy to come in that knows the game and can go out there and take advantage of weaknesses on defenses, the players will love that and uh, they can attack it and, and make it work. But uh, like I say to my kids, like once you get between those white lines, I can't play for you. Like I'm going to put you in the best position possible, but you have to make the plays and uh, bringing in a coach like that, that's somebody that can, uh, they can definitely do it. What, what about this? And I'll throw this out there as well. What if whoever the new next head coach is interviews with Chris Greer, Stephen Ross, and says, I can't win with Tua Tungabailoa. We need to move on. We need to go get an Aaron Rodgers. We need to go get a Deshaun Watson. We need to make that change immediately or else I can't coach your team. I mean, if he's it, a coach they want, um, then then go for it. I don't want a coach forced uh, on to, or to a force on a coach that doesn't want him. We just saw how that worked. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, uh, we're here towards the end here, Chris. We're here at the very end of the spaces. And like we talked about, I uh, <laughs> sorry, I got a message from uh, from Jason Loker. I said something about going on 50 with Vance Joseph and he feels attacked. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we have to uh, we have to pick somebody, Chris. Everyone's a winner. Everyone gets a trophy. But there can only be one true winner here on this space. Who is it going to be? I'm going to let you. You, you, you decided to do this here today, here, Chris. Who was the uh, the take of the day? Who's going to get the exclusive offer from Patch Vibes as well as an Aronde Baxton from Welcome to Perfectville? Who's the guy? Ooh, man, I, I can't believe you're putting me on the spot like this. Uh, so race was great. Uh, the finger-banging fans and discussing uh, – just picturing – I'm just picturing Brian Dable in a leather jacket like Kenny Omega, but it just says pudding tits on it, uh, <laughs> elbow-dropping uh, tables. Like, that's just – I love that visual. Uh, but race can't win everything, so uh, I'm not letting him win. I refuse, downright refuse. And you had great take there at the end. Uh, spoke very well, and he's on the West Coast with you repping. Um, but I'm super biased. I love British accents. And when he said blokes and called these young coaches virgins and we can't do that anymore, we can't repeat the same mistakes, 
I agree completely. I think Connors has to be the winner. Uh, I think you're right. Congratulations, Connors. You are the winner. And, and, you know, the Virgin was good. The Blokes was great. But Connors did something that reminded me that he's probably a father or, or a caregiver to somebody because he gave an exhausted <sighs> in the middle of that day. <laughs> and that was just such a I'm so tired of this shit. Um, but uh, everyone with that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there you go. Uh, hey, Connors, I'll uh, I'll reach out to you. We'll figure out um, uh, the exclusive offer from Patch Vibes. Oh, I know what the exclusive offer is, but I'll just get you the deal so you can make sure that that happens. And uh, you're across the pond, so we'll figure out a way to send you in a Ronde Baxton. Uh, it's probably going to cost me about seventy five dollars to get it across the Atlantic Ocean, but uh, you know we'll uh, we'll get it. Well, there. plus he's he's probably already having a pint because it's like six thirty at night over there. We're all uh, working, and he's having a pint, so no wonder he's so damn funny. Yeah, yeah, he uh, he had the whole day ahead of him, or already behind him, and he's just like, man, that's why he's tired. But uh, congratulations, Connors! Thank you, everybody there: Larry, Andrew, Race, Jeremy, Dolphins. Uh, who am Andrew? I think I said already, maybe not. But uh, this is a lot of fun. We'll do this again. I don't know when, but we'll uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, let us know if you guys have any topics. But for now, the Dolphins head coach search party is well underway, and uh, it looks like Brian Dayball, Doug Peterson, Mike McDaniel, and Jim Harbaugh. The top four for everybody, at least part of this space, according to all of you. Uh, Chris, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? I mean, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did this. I'm glad we did this as well. So on behalf of Chris and myself, and that's really it, and Patch Vibes. I should throw Patch Vibes out there. Only thing left to say is goodbye from Perfectville. See you there. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.